I hope we never get too old or get to some place in our life for whatever reason that we just relegate Jesus loves me to a children's song and never sing it. That would be a sad day. What a reminder. Jesus loves me. And as the choir uh, was singing earlier and as we were reminded in the third verse of that hymn, have you ever thought about being homesick for heaven? Be honest with the Lord now. Have you ever thought about being homesick for heaven? I'm not looking for a verbal answer, but you know in your heart. Homesick for heaven. You want to see Jesus. What a thought. What a thought. Choir, thank you. David, thank you very much. Musicians, we appreciate you uh, more than we have words to express. Thank you for leading us in worship. Amen. Dr. Al and I love it. You have your Bible. Turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we will get there just in a few minutes. I'll say it now, and I'll say it again in a couple of moments. My message this morning is from a familiar text. And the reason it's from a familiar text, the, the one that we're looking at this morning, is the same message we use on Mother's Day. Uh, this is quite a couple that we have here in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Actually, there are two wives to this man, Elkanah, and we'll reference that again in a moment. But uh, uh, it's, uh, I, I think, a both interesting and unusual passage, as is all the Word of God, because it has some qualities and characteristics of a mother, a godly mother, Old Testament mother. Same is true of Fathers, pray with me, please. Father, encourage our hearts this morning from your word. Some folks have come, no doubt, in in a group of people this size, some folks are discouraged for whatever reason this morning. You know what it is, and you know their hearts. We pray for them just now and ask that you would encourage them. Remind us of your love. Remind us of your faithfulness to us. Not one word of any of your promises has ever failed, nor will it ever fail. You are true to your word. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for giving to each of us the health, the strength, and the desire to be in your house this morning. Lord, we know there are folks that would like to be in church, cannot, for health reasons. You have enabled us to be here, and we are grateful. Thank you for friends with whom we share fellowship around the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be a band of encouragers today. We ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. To all the fathers in the congregation this morning, I say to you, happy Father's Day from the depths of my heart. God bless you. I was reminded of a a story about a little boy who was asked to explain what Father's Day meant to him. And he thought for just a second and answered, well, it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much money on the present.
Well, he told the truth, didn't he? <laughs> if anyone ever needed a press agent, I believe it's the father. Too often, dad becomes the forgotten man. Some might suggest, some men in particular might suggest that every day ought to be Father's Day. <laughs> Another honest soul. <laughs> but one of our favorite human weaknesses is to take for granted that which is important. And so, dad is often taken for granted. And so, I believe it's only right that we stop at least once a year and say, Happy Father's Day, Dad. Many of us this morning can't say, Happy Father's Day, Dad. Because they have preceded us into glory. But we'd give anything to have one more hug. To be able to give one more gift. And to be able to say face to face, Happy Father's Day. But we can't. Those of you who have dads who are still living, still with us, have you ever thought of what it would be like if you went to see him this afternoon? And someone answered the door and said, he isn't here. In fact, you will never see him again on this earth. My friends, if your dad is still living, profit from the experience of others and make this a very special day for him. That might not be so easy if we think about it. Maybe as a teenager, you wanted to do something yesterday or you wanted something or you hadn't done something and dad got all over your case. Dads do that. But that was yesterday. This is today, and this is Father's Day. Make it a special day for him. Maybe if you're older, for whatever reason, you talked to your dad yesterday, and he just irritated the thunder out of you. That happens too, doesn't it? I mean, dads are dads. Dads are human. It happens. But you've got him here. That was yesterday that I'm referring to, if something like that happened. If you've got him and you can look him face to face and say, I love you, happy Father's Day. Do it. Do it. You know, uh, special day messages are difficult. One man, John Calvin said, and he has in print, I don't know how many sermons from years and years and years ago. But he said he never preached a special day message. Never! Now, he didn't go on with that and and say exactly why, but I think anybody who's a pastor has some idea of why. I mean, how many mothers can you pick out of the Bible as an example and preach on them? A few. But the list is rather short. How many dads? Ditto. The list is rather short. And it has evolved in our day, it seems to me at least, that Mother's Day messages and Father's Day messages 
have taken a very familiar pattern. Moms have it easy. On Mother's Day, preachers bless the moms. They know which side their bread's buttered on. You know? But what happens when Father's Day comes? From the pulpit, so often, mothers are blessed on Mother's Day. Fathers are blasted on Father's Day. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. Look at this example. You didn't do that either. Uh, You know, you're just no good. So moms get blessed and fathers get blasted. Well, I'm not going to do that. And even though the passage that we turn to in 1 Samuel 1 is familiar because we've spoken to mothers from this passage just recently, I want to share with you what I believe is some timeless wisdom for dads. And I want to point out seven things in the life of this man that I believe we can and many do emulate. Before I do that, there are two verses in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, that give us a bit of background. If you have your Bible open with me, look at verse 1. And uh, there are a lot of names here, and, and uh, sometimes names are especially hard for us. Uh, now, there was a certain man from Ramathiam Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroboam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tophu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. Now, verse 1 refers, by the way, his name Elkanah means God has created. Elkanah means God has created. Verse 1 refers to him as an Ephraimite. That is a geographical situation. That is a geographical reference. He was a Levite by lineage, but not of the Aaronic priesthood. Verse 2 and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Peninnah, excuse me. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. So Elkanah, though I am upholding him as a man with some characteristics that are good, healthy, wholesome, he was also a polygamist. And that is at variance with God's ideal. But, hear me well, it was permitted by Old Testament law in case of a childless marriage. Now, timeless wisdom from this man comes in the form of some characteristics. And I'm, there, there are seven of them, and I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on any of them, but I want you to see there are seven things. And I, again, say I'm holding him up as something of a... a an example, a timeless, from whom we can get timeless truths. Truths that applied in, not only in his day, but truths that are good for us in 2016. First of all, chapter 1, verse 3. This man was faithful. Look at verse 3. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship, and that was what was required. To go up yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And let me break off the reading right there. He was a faithful man. Uh, That's repeated. I don't know how many times God has to say something before it kind of filters down and takes hold in our hearts and our minds. But if you will look at verse 21. Then the man Elkanah went up with all of his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. He was a faithful man. He was somebody that was dependable. 
the priest knew that he would be there, faithful. Second, he was characterized by sacrificial living. And this is noted, I think, in two areas in particular. Sacrificial living. Again, verse 3, he would sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, He did that regularly. Um, So, with respect to God, this man uh, was faithful and exhibited a sacrificial living. Sacrificial living was also exhibited with respect to his family. With respect to God, sacrificial living. With respect to his family, sacrificial living. Verses 4 and 5. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. He was faithful. He was characterized by sacrificial living with respect to God, with respect to his family. Third, he was compassionate. He was compassionate. And I want to pick up verse 5 again. To Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. He was knowledgeable about his wife's feelings. And he did his best to help her. We need, as fathers, as men today, to be aware of our wives' feelings. To be knowledgeable and to help as well as with our children. Faithful, characterized by sacrificial living. He was compassionate. The fourth one is in verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? And then he raises a question. And I struggle with the question just a little bit. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Uh, frankly, uh, a, a casual reading of that, uh, may I just be blunt, it, it sounds a little prideful. Am I not better to you than this? But that's not the spirit of it. What he's suggesting here is that his love and that his care for Hannah was greater than the blessing of a large family. His love, his care for her, was greater than a large family. Number five, he was his wife's lover. Verse 19, Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. That's possible someone within the sound of my voice is saying, Pastor, uh, why mention this in a list of qualities of good and godly men? Well, this is, I think, very important, especially in in our day. I think it's important in any day, but especially in our day. Because we're living in a day when many are lovers of somebody else's wife. One characteristic of a godly man is that he is his wife's only lover. The sixth of these characteristics, found in verse 23. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. 
Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Elkanah was a leader in his home. He was not a dictator. May I take just an added moment and insert this? The wedding ceremony that, that I do and have done for more than 40 years contains passages from the book of Ephesians. And as the time passes, I get more and more pushback from people either in the wedding party or people who attend the wedding that I conduct saying things to me like, uh, I don't believe that, preacher. I don't know why you say that. Uh, One of the strongest tongue lashings that I have ever received took place in Fellowship Hall. And it was done at a wedding reception, and it was by somebody who wasn't even in the wedding party. It was done by someone who was attending and went to the reception. And this young lady just gave me down the country. I uh, can't believe you'd say that at a wedding. I can't believe that, and she knew the, the, the bride, and she said, I can't believe the bride would uh, affirm that. And I, I, I finally, basically, I just listened. And, and, you know, there are times when that's the best thing you can do. Just keep your mouth shut and listen. And she finally wound down and took a breath. And when she did, I said, ma'am, you don't have an argument with me. And I had my wedding guidelines book with me. And I had the scripture in it. I said, ma'am, your, your quarrel is with the person who wrote it. And here it is. I didn't write it. And that not only didn't soften her, it made her more angry. Good and godly men are not dictatorial. And that's not what the Apostle Paul was teaching either. But he was a leader in his home. And I believe that Elkanah, if we could ask him, would say that he realized that Hannah was an intelligent woman, a God-honoring woman whose faith was as deep as his. And part of leadership in the home, according to this man's life, and according to the wisdom which I believe is timeless, is that he encouraged his wife and strengthened her faith. He was loving, and he was considerate, and he was the leader in his home. Number seven, verse 23 also Middle of the verse, remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. He was concerned about God's word. Elkanah was concerned about God's word. May the Lord confirm his word to you. So these characteristics, one, he was faithful to God. Two, he was characterized by sacrificial living Three, he was compassionate. Four, he believed that his love and his care for Hannah was of more importance to Hannah than a large family. 
Number five, he was his wife's lover. Number six, he was considerate. And number seven, he was concerned about the Word of God. Now, these are qualities that many of us revere and emulate because we've seen them in our own fathers. And now we who are fathers need to carry on and to follow in their footsteps. God give us men. At a time like this, demand strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and ready hands. Men whom the spoils of office will not kill. Men who possess opinions and a will. Men who have honor, who men who will not lie, men who will stand before a demagogue and damn his treacherous flatteries without winking, tall men, sun-crowned, who live above the fog in public duty and in private thinking. For the rabble, with their thumb-worn creeds, their large professions and little deeds, mingle in selfish strife and lo. Freedom weeps. Wrong rules the land, and waiting justice sleeps. Josiah Holland penned those words near the end of the 19th century on the heels of a bloody civil war. It was a dark and dreadful hour. And during that time, there was a desperate need of such men in the city, in the state, in the nation, and in the home. The same is true today. We are living in the days of political intrigue. Days in which we hardly know who to believe. Perhaps in your own way. Perhaps in other words, but you have prayed a similar prayer. God, give us men, tall men, godly men, gracious men, men of conviction, men with integrity. But the simple fact is, God gives us boys. And he gives mothers and dads, sons to rear into such men as Josiah Holland spoke. In the hands of parents, that deep responsibility of character construction rests. Therefore, as someone put it, in the mouth of a little boy, he says, So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for you are leading me. I know that Once you walked this way many years ago, and what you did along the way, I'd really like to know. For when I am tempted, I don't know what to do. So walk a little plainer, Daddy, for I must follow you. Someday when I'm grown, you are like I want to be. Then I will have a little boy who will want to follow me. And I would want to lead him right and help him to be true. 
So walk a little plainer, Daddy. We must follow you. Fathers, please stand. All the fathers in the house, please stand. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we give you thanks for these fathers who are standing here today. And we pray for them. We ask that you would give to them wisdom and love. All that is required to be a father. May they walk faithfully before you and before their children. May they worthily receive the honor of their children. We pray that you would enable them to bring up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Help them to lovingly, with compassion, lead in their homes and in the church. Thank you, Father. We do hereby dedicate once again these dads to you with thanksgiving in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That's my Father's Day message. Before David comes and we sing, I have thought more than once this week. I've had some time, some vacation time, sitting on a porch, looking out over the water, thinking. And it is not a profound thought at all. It is a very common, ordinary thought. But I'm afraid sometimes we forget. If as a man or as a woman or as a young person, anyone, if there's going to be an outward change in us on any level that you choose to think of, if there is to be a change in any of us in our outward external living, in our behavior, it must start. On the inside. External change comes only after internal change. I firmly believe. If there's not something different in here, it's not going to be anything different outside. Same old, same old. And so I ask you this morning, all of you, not just dads, all of you who are here this morning with the sound of my voice, is there something in the way you're living that needs to be changed? You can answer that. I can't. If there's something that needs to be changed, My dear friend, it starts inside. May the Spirit of God deal with our hearts, all of us, yours, mine, all of our hearts. And let's allow the Spirit of God to make the changes inside that need to be made. And then He can lead us into external change. But again, it begins inside. And so I ask you this morning, is the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, Spirit of God residing in you? For when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God takes up residence in that individual. Are you listening to Him? Are you being obedient to Him when He prompts change? Again, I pray.
Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us not to try to make external changes without an internal foundation. And may that foundation be given to us from God and His Word and our faith in Him and the residency of God the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And may we be obedient to Him as He would make changes in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Again, to all the fathers here, happy Father's Day. And I trust for you this will be a blessed day for you. And that we might, as I've indicated before, worthily receive the good thoughts from our children. God bless you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. David McCreary is our deacon of the day. David, if you'll come and dismiss us with prayer, and then we'll sing God Be With You until we meet again. Now, you know, many of you know almost all the fathers that are here. So if yours is here, you, you, you speak to them. But speak to somebody else's too, okay? Happy Father's Day, men. God bless you. David, pray for us. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've been able to worship together today as a body of believers. We've sung and heard hymns that exalt the name of Jesus. We've given our offerings so that your word can continue being preached here and beyond. Lord, today we're thankful for our fathers and the blessings that they are and have been in our lives. And as a father myself, my prayer is that I and other dads will be faithful, loving, caring, considerate, compassionate, and committed to honoring the word of God. Lord, today we pray for our mission of the week, Child Evangelism Fellowship. It's a ministry that reaches young boys and girls for Christ. This is a tremendous and vital outreach, Lord, and We pray that you would help meet the continued financial and resource needs of CEF. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.